Bonnie. And I'm Joel. And this is Sunday School Cinema. Hi, Joel. How's it going? It's going pretty well. How are you doing? I am doing okay. I'm very excited to talk about our movie today. Yeah, I kind of I can't remember if this was actually the first movie that we watched in this group, but I feel pretty confident that when we came up with the idea for this group and we sat down to like make a list of possible movies, this was probably the first one that both of us thought of. Yeah. For sure. It was definitely one that we were big fans of at the time and had, had watched several times already and were, you know, would tell everyone about. And <laughs> it, was a, it was a pretty big deal for us at, at that point in our lives. I was actually trying to remember if Dad had already seen it by the time, because I remember talking to him about it before, and it seems like something we might have made him watch before, and maybe this was his second time through, but I don't remember for sure. Possible? I don't remember for sure either. <sighs> Okay, well, I guess let's dive into saved! Exclamation point. <laughs> yeah, don't forget the exclamation point. So, uh, saved. <laughs> let's see. What year did saved come out? It was 2004. Four. I was 2004. Close. 2004. So for anyone who may not know, why the fuck are you listening to this? Go watch the movie. I'm not going to say that about many of the movies we watch on this podcast, but go watch Safe. It's fun. And it's, it's streaming for free on Amazon Prime if you have that. So yeah, yeah. Can't beat that. So Saved is a story of a young girl who's 17 years old, who's going into her senior year at a Christian call at a Christian high school and gets pregnant because she thinks that her boyfriend, well, because her boyfriend is gay and she thinks that God asked her um, to help save him from his baser impulses by um, having sex with her. And then hijinks ensue. Of course, yeah. So did you, uh, I mean, this is only semi-related to the movie, so it might be an odd jumping off point, but did you look up the director, Brian Danley? I did, and he's done like nothing. He's, he, has, he has one other feature credit in, from 2012, a movie called Struck by Lightning, which I've never heard of. It has Dermot Mulrooney, Allison Janney is in it, Christina Hendricks is in it. Rebel Wilson is in it, apparently. But the premise to this movie, this is the premise to the movie, according to Letterboxd. After being struck and killed by lightning, a young man recounts the way he blackmailed his fellow classmates in con into contributing to his literary magazine. Isn't that the most bonkers shit you've ever heard of? <laughs> that is... That is real weird. I kind of want to watch that movie now. Yeah, I'm, I'm mildly curious. Anyway, that, that's not, you know, that's only tangentially related to the movie that we actually watched. I just thought that was fascinating. Although it is, like, it is worth noting, uh, Brian Danley, what I do know about him is that he, he did go to a Baptist or Christian of some kind school when he was growing up, and he did feel like he was taking this out of his experiences. Yeah, no, that, that, that clearly shows. Yes. This is, I mean... <laughs> There, this movie definitely has issues, but it is there. There is so many things about it that are so dead on. There's no way that someone with an outsider perspective would, would have been able to make this movie. <laughs> yeah, I think what really struck me while I was watching it this time is that this is this is such a specific picture of such a specific point in time that I feel like when I was watching, I was like, I suspect that if a 16 year old watched this now, they would probably even if they were in church all the time and stuff, they would probably not feel the same sense of resonance that That's we possible. felt watching this movie. Um, not to mention that everything, like the clothes, the hair, the corded phone on a bed, like, yeah. <laughs> like there's a lot of stuff that is just like really 
really dated and set to like to exactly like when I was in high school. <laughs> well, yeah, I mean, even just the central premise, I think it's fair to say now, at least I hope it's fair to say now that even among evangelical Christians, there's a lot more. It's just like basic understanding of homosexuality and what it is, even if there's still a pretty broad lack of acceptance. I mean, what after she after her boyfriend confesses to her that he's gay, she goes and just Googles the word gay and then panics when she gets a gay porn site. And that's the extent of her research because she doesn't know it. She doesn't know anything about it. Like, see, and I remember having issues with that when I was because I was like, come on. Like, what super Christian kid is going to be like, Jesus is telling me to have sex with my boyfriend? But no, I don't know. Watching it now, I had more empathy for it. It seemed clear that while her, like, she was Christian, um, obviously, and her and her mom was Christian, but, like, they were not, like, the pastor's kids Christian. Like, they, <laughs> they had their own stuff going on. We should say that the, the lead character, Mary... Is played by Jenna Malone. Hilary Faye, who is a fantastic character in this, is played just fucking amazingly by Mandy Moore. Just really mm-hmm. nails it. Macaulay Culkin is, is in this. Yeah, I, I would love to hear the story of how Macaulay Culkin ended up in this movie. Because I've heard interviews with him and stuff. He's He seems like an interesting, thoughtful guy. He wasn't doing that much acting at this point. There's no way that this weird little religious indie movie paid well enough for him to have taken a supporting role in it for the money. I just I'm fascinated to know how he ended up in this. It's very strange. Yeah, that's that's valid. I don't know. Um, Patrick Fujit is also in this as someone I have not seen in more than a minute. Yeah, I think Gone Girl was the last thing I saw him in. Oh, God, I forgot he was in Gone Girl. Oh, apparently he was in First Man. Apparently he was First Man. I don't remember him in that. But he's still around. He he's new with us. Yeah. Okay. I mean, I like him. It was nice to see him. Mm-hmm. Yeah. <laughs> and also Eva or Ava Amuri Martino. I don't know how to pronounce her name. She's Susan Sarandon's daughter. Oh, I forgot that. She looks like her. She kind of does. Yeah. But definitely, when watching it this time, I was like, oh man, like her acting is not amazing. <laughs> she's she's no. fine. Like, but um, she definitely like fulfills a, a role, and her look is she looks fucking fantastic. So yeah, and you know, it's, it's funny looking through her filmography, which is pretty short. I'm seeing at least four Susan Sarandon films on here, so that makes sense. That makes sense. Yeah. <laughs> but yeah, so I mean, it's and again, you know, you've got this thing. It's coming out in 2004. It has this like group of you know actors. I think this was kind of a big deal for Mandy Moore. I think she got like some critical acclaim that she hadn't necessarily before. And yeah, I mean, it's it's a good cast for the most part. Everyone's pretty fun. I don't know. It's a fun movie. <laughs> I was talking to Eric about it and he was talking about how he remembered this thing. And I actually did not remember this about he was at his in-laws house. This would have been, I think, when we'd been together for like a year or two. So we've been together seven and a half years now. So it was a while. And <laughs> and that they watched Saved or they tried to watch Saved. And his mother-in-law was like, I just, I just can't do this. This is, this is too similar. Like, this is too similar to what I grew up in or whatever. And that he came home and told me that. And that my response was like, I was like, it is not, it is not. She did not grow up in that. She made that. (laughs) I was like, I had like an immediate, like very hard kickback, which I still hold as relevant, like as justified. Like our parents did not grow up in this. No. Like. They created this and then made us grow up in this. I mean, I'm sure there are still similarities. It makes sense that, you know, she's that it hit her on that level, but it's not. It's not the same. Not quite the same. Yeah. It's not the same. So how do you want to do this? Should we like go through the plot? 
should we? I think it makes sense to go through the plot. Yeah. Okay. Okay. So the movie starts off with sort of a montage bringing us in here that is voiced by Jenna Malone, where she talks about one of her first lines is that accepting Jesus is a for into your heart is a really big commitment for a three year old. (laughs) (laughs) This is one of those like like right off the bat there. To, to anyone who did not grow up in this culture, that is such a batshit insane concept. Yes. But most of the people that I grew up with, that was their experience, including myself. I think I was probably four, but yeah, it's... Uh... Yeah. <laughs> so she has this slide. She talks about her father died when she was young. I don't remember if it says how, but whatever. Her father died when she was young, and we kind of see her go through the funeral and, and all of this, <clears throat> and that her mom told her that her dad was in heaven. With the angels, and then it shows, and then it shows a scene from her a little bit older. She says, "I just wanted to be with the angels too," and it shows her trying to walk in front of a car. Yeah, a bit of a, a very. I mean, you know, this isn't. This is a, a has a bit of a dark comedy edge throughout, but that was a very dark moment. Her as like a ten year old trying to commit suicide to be with her dead father. It was, and I also felt like it didn't like watching it. Now I was like, this doesn't quite land. Like I feel like it. This this tonally is off. They didn't follow it through at all. It was a throwaway joke. Yeah. Which, yeah, I agree. So she says that, but then she found, you know, her and her mom started going to this church. She started going to this school. Um, her mom, by the way, is played by Mary Louise Parker, who does a fun job overall, and started going to the school. And she became very, her whole life became about Jesus. Yeah. I mean, she's, so she becomes part of this like popular clique at the Christian high school, led by Mandy Moore's Hillary Fay, sort of the, um, it's like the plastics in Mean Girls, basically. I mean, th- that's that's kind of the obvious. Uh, that's the obvious parallel. But much more relatable to me. <laughs> yeah, well, yes, but that is. I, I think it's fair to say that 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 was what they had in mind. I'm trying to remember what year Mean Girl was. Mean Girls was, but it would have been before this, I think. Yeah. Oh no, they were actually the same year. Oh, interesting. So maybe maybe that was not an intentional parallel. But I mean, you know, it's not not exactly an uncommon high school movie trope. The band of the band of popular girls who are in this case they're known as the Christian gems or jewels. Christian jewels. Christian jewels. Yeah. Yes, jewels and God's crown. They don't specify that, but I assume that's what the reference is. Yeah. They sing. They they do the worship. Yeah, they're like a musical. Yeah. <laughs> Which is also like pretty like much how I remember like the the girls who like. And you, it would be unusual to have no guys on worship team in my memory, but the girls who wore or like who who ran worship and who did worship on the regular were definitely like part of the popular Christian clique. I do have to take a quick side note and say that like I get it, I know that like this is a movie and they're doing this thing, but it was a consistent thing that me and Alex and Eric kept being like, well, she wouldn't be able to wear that. Yeah, <laughs> yeah, to a Christian high school. Are you kidding? Yeah. You couldn't wear some of that to a non-Christian high school. <laughs> yeah. Mandy yeah. Moore is wearing these, like, lowrider jeans. And, like, obviously she looks fucking amazing. But, like, she's wearing these, like, lowrider jeans with this shirt that doesn't quite match, doesn't quite meet the top. And I'm like, you can see your stomach and you're not even raising your arms. <laughs> like, no one will let you do this. Um, but... That's not exactly either here nor there, but it is definitely like a point of dissonance when watching something that overall feels like pretty familiar. Right. The other, another aspect of this perfect Christian life that she has going on is this guy that she's dating who is also like 
you know, one of the, the popular, like, super religious spiritual guys in the high school. And so they're, you know, the, the plan is they're, they're both about to, you know, they're going into their senior year and then they're, I guess, off on their life together. Probably. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Right. And then the whole thing kind of falls apart when he uh, confesses to her that he's gay or that he believes he, he might be gay. They are in a swimming pool and they are playing a game of telling each other secrets underwater. Right, which apparently is a thing they do. Uh, and I don't know what secret she told him, but I feel confident it was not to the same level. No, no. Both <laughs> going underwater and him saying, I think I might be gay. She freaks out. She like pushes herself up. She hits her head. On the, the, the ladder, the, the ladder on the side of the pool, yeah. So she is falling down. Dean gets out, then realizes that his name is Dean, then realizes that she's in there, tries to run to save her, slips on the cement and falls down himself. And then she is saved by the pool boy with long hair, who I guess bears some resemblance. Right. He's like the, the classic Jesus look. He's got like the long kind of wavy hair and he dives into the pool to get her out. And she believes in her half conscious state that she's seeing a vision of Jesus who tells her that she has to do whatever she can to help Dean in this difficult time in his life. Yes. So during this summer, she proceeds to attempt to help Dean. We have some scenes of them making out as she like earnestly tries to reassure him that this is what Jesus is. Why we have a scene of of her like putting his hand on her boob. Yeah. Uh, <laughs> like, are you feeling anything now? And he's just like, "Are you sure this isn't a sin?" Like practically crying. Who's? Yeah, it's not sexy. Something. Not sexy. No. Um, I definitely like watching. I was like, "Oh man, this poor fucking." girl like this is fuck up your sexuality man to like not <laughs> to, like, no response at all no response at all <laughs> also there's a fun scene that happens i think also during summer where her and hillary fay are painting this giant thing of jesus like wooden cut out statue of it's jesus like yeah. macaulay culkin is is in a wheelchair that is important right. he's, he's hillary fay's older brother but he's he's still in school because he got held back a year we find out because of the accident that put him in the wheelchair so right he fell out of a tree but like so he's like at the bottom and uh he's like are you sure he's not are you sure he's not are you sure he's white because i saw this thing <laughs> i don't think he's it. supposed to be white <laughs> it's a pretty funny it's a pretty funny line <laughs> so we we continue on this uh this opening sequence that's it's all sort of sort of montage of the the summer as they're uh, basically the the whole thing culminates with her eventually deciding that it is okay for her to to quote unquote go all the way with Dean. But let's not skip over yeah let's not skip over how she does that because it's amazing. Yeah, we gotta we gotta talk about how she got there. Yeah, because <laughs> there's this scene of her and Hillary Faye at a gun range, which. What was the name of it? It was clearly like a... Yes, what was it? Oh, my God. It was God. clearly like a Christian gun range. I can't remember the name of it. So they're practicing their shooting. Hillary Faye is obviously proficient and talking about how, you know, she knows that if she were to be, like, attacked by someone, that Jesus would restore her spiritual virginity. But there was no way that she was... What did she say? She's saving herself from marriage and she'll use she'll force, force if necessary. necessary. <laughs> so... so <laughs> Mary, our protagonist, a uh, little on the nose name there, but yeah. gets the like here's this idea and latches onto it that like, oh, Jesus can can restore, you know, my my spiritual virginity, whatever that is supposed to mean. And she takes this as sort of permission to uh to go ahead and have sex with Dean 
in the the final effort to cure him. So they do. She she interrupts him in the middle of looking at a gay porn magazine. I was going to say, there's a reason that he felt able to have sex with her. I think. Yeah, yeah, exactly. I think it was uh, it was a lucky timing thing more than anything. Uh, <laughs> they so they do have sex, and she leaves thinking that she solved the problem, and that summer's coming to an end. They're going to they're heading off to school. Everything's fixed. Jesus is going to restore her. Right. Um, oh, it's uh, the name of the gun range is Emmanuel Shooting Range. It's, it says dot, 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 an eye for an eye. <laughs> <laughs> yes, that's right. Yeah. It's so good. Oh, boy. Yeah, I feel like that must exist somewhere. Uh, I don't think it ever specifies where they are. No, I don't think so. Actually, now that I say that, I do remember there was a scene with a bus that said Baltimore. I don't think they're supposed to be in Baltimore, but that must have been the area where they filmed it. But at any rate, so the the first day of school comes and Hillary Faye and what her brother, whose name I'm blanking on, Macaulay Culkin's character, Roland. Roland. Yeah. And they come to, they pick Mary up on the way to school and then they stop to pick up Dean. She goes to the door and his parents answer looking like Dean has just died or something and show her the porn magazine that they found and tell her that he is. Which, why? Why did they do that? <laughs> Yeah, I don't know. At any rate, they tell her that he has been sent off to Mercy House, which is a, I mean, in this case, it was, you know, like ex-gay therapy kind of thing, conversion therapy stuff. Although they say in the movie that it's also like they send unwed mothers there, right. and all, all kinds of things. It's sort of a catch-all for people caught in sin or whatever. So they've sent him to Mercy House um, and they said, we just wanted you to know, which I'm like, what a weird thing I mean, like, I guess it's better that they didn't go down to the car and tell her in front of her friends. I don't know. Like, it just seems. Anyway, I mean, I'm sure they were in shock, I guess. Yeah, I think it was clearly it was something they, they had found the magazine the previous night and sent him away that morning. So, yeah, like it was it was very fresh. But uh, did you ever know anyone who went to one of these places like one of the No. Yeah. Not that I know of. Me neither. But I was definitely like aware of them existing. I don't know that I was aware of it when I was a kid. I by the time I was a teenager, I was for sure like aware of like ex gay camps and like camps where troubled kids were sent and stuff like that. I don't know if it was ever <laughs> threatened in my direction, but I was definitely aware they were there. And I don't know how exactly because I also never knew anyone who went to one of these places. I was just like, <laughs> this is some sort of osmosis of information. I don't know. Yeah, it just got talked about at some point. <laughs> yeah. So so yeah. So then of course Mary is obviously devastated and also very worried that she was not in fact restored. Right. She's worried that she must have got the message wrong that what you know, Dean wasn't cured, so maybe she got the whole thing wrong and And on the way to school she tells Hillary Fay and there's another girl in the group. Yeah, that character was not well handled. She was That's the complaint that I have about the movie. Yes, she um, she was adopted from Vietnam while her parents were missionaries there, and they saved her from the Veronica. That's her name. Yeah, and they saved her from the land of godless heathens. It's it's again a thing that ends up being a throwaway joke in a way that feels like extremely. Eh. It is. Yeah, it's it's kind of a I mean, it's it's not as much of a throwaway because it's kind of a recurring thing. And I think it's a, I think it is a sort of a point worth making. But she's not enough of a character to like they really don't do anything with her as a character. So it, it all it feels a bit at her expense. 
which is unfortunate. Yeah, and it is. I mean, yeah, it's it's for sure a thing that happens. It is for sure. Like, and there are things w- worth exploring there, but like also, you know, probably this like white dude wasn't the person to do it. I don't. Know. It is. It is unfortunately like an underdeveloped part of the movie. Mm-hmm. But they, they Hillary Fay has this van, right, with a wheelchair elevator thing for yes. for Roland, yeah. which she which she got instead of what did she say, a Lexus Gold Edition or something. Let's be clear, Hillary Fay's parents are rich, and this makes a big difference in how she. Yeah, they they don't really get into that in detail, but that is clearly the case. Well, yeah, I mean, you know, she the Jesus statue was paid for by her family. The like, oh yeah, she did say that, yeah. You know, there, it, it it does make a difference in how she comports herself around the right. school. I think. Whereas Mary is from the single mother mother household, and so you know, this van is new. Mary asks Roland how his summer was, <laughs> and he's like, "Oh, it's you know, I went. What did he say? Like climbing trees and roller skating, and like, just like a bunch of things." Yeah, I can't remember. Yeah, I don't water skiing. I, don't, I think. Yeah, things yeah, he said. and Hillary Fay like, is like Roland. Why do you? to make people feel so guilty about your differently abledness <laughs> or something like that uncomfortable they also use the r slur several times in this movie which i feel like i doubt they would have done now but that does happen a few times but it i mean it also like no one that i grew up with thought of that as a word that you should avoid no absolutely not but i think it does it does fit time-wise but i do think that if they had made the movie now they still just probably wouldn't put it in. I don't know. That I feel like I don't see that in most movies. Anyway, so on the way to school, Mary, who is of course devastated and upset, tells Hillary Fay and I mean, as a result, Roland and Veronica about about Dean being gay, but not about her trying to save him. And Hillary Fay is in shock, screeches the car to stop to a halt. Roland just kind of looks at them and is like, Why is this this is surprising? It was like a one man gay pride. Right? It wasn't like it was some kind of secret. <laughs> there was there was part of the, the montage about how great Dean was and how he was he was this great Christian athlete was him doing like figure skating. <laughs> He's an athlete. He puts his heart and soul into the into serving the Lord. So yes, he, he's very clearly obviously gay, which I actually think, as a note, is a thing that I was thinking about watching at this time. Part of growing up Christian is, I think, a lot of the time having very little gaydar because you're just not trained to like notice those things. I believe Hillary Faye says that they, they have never had a gay at right. whatever the high school was called. And I'm sure she believed that. Probably so. <laughs> that is, yeah, I mean, you know, obviously not true, but as far as she knew, it was probably true. And I think, like I was thinking about, so when I, when I was in June, when I was in seventh grade and I was going to the youth group at my parents' church at the time. And I was in seventh grade. I had no friends. I was still I was still working on overcoming my homeschool awkwardness. So I was definitely awkward. And the only person who was really nice to me was this guy named Sander. He was so sweet. He was an eighth grader. And he hung out with, functionally, these girls um, <laughs> from the... From the uh, <laughs> from the clique at the church and he was going out with one of them her name was Margot. it was a big deal they were the major couple at youth group but he was so nice to me he was so sweet um they were very mean to me most of the time but when he started being nice to me and taking me under his wings so to speak i will not say they accepted me but they like grudgingly allowed me to be around and mostly just kind of ignored me but like they weren't mean to me and I just, I adored Sander. I distinctly remember not thinking he was that cute at the time, but I like 
he was just so, I mean, he was being nice to me and no one else was. So um, I adored him and they didn't see me as a threat. All of the girls in the youth group had a crush on Sander, but like Margot was like, okay, well, like this obnoxious seventh grader with out of control hair is like not a threat to my boyfriend. So like sometimes the youth leaders would like split us up and, you know, make us do teams and they wouldn't let Margot and Sander be a pair because they had to split up or whatever. So like Margot would let me go be with Sander because she wasn't worried about it. <laughs> <laughs> it was like a whole thing. Anyway, the point is that I found out multiple years later that Sander was gay. Oh. <laughs> and I have no idea, like, how obvious that was. Like, I have, I have no idea. I mean, you know, because it varies a lot. Maybe it wasn't, but, like... Yeah, I mean, 7th, 8th grade, yeah. No, but it definitely but... didn't occur to me. Yeah. <laughs> like... Interesting. And I, I definitely... I feel like I was a kid who, like... What I tend to look back on at this point is, like, kids who were queer. Like, I don't know if they were gay, <laughs> exactly. But, like, you, there are things that just, like, stand out about you. Like, you don't fit in to, like, the group as a whole. You know, I mean, I shaved my head for the first time when I was, like, 17 or 18. and. <laughs> but I think, but I, I do, I think it's true. I think there's a real, there's a real lack of, like, recognition of queerness because queerness is, to some extent, like, a cultural understanding that, Christians are very emphatically not taught. So I like, it's funny, but also like, I totally believe that it would never have occurred to her that her boyfriend was gay. Yeah. It makes absolutely. Yeah. I don't question that at all. No, <laughs> not at, at all. all. It makes perfect sense. So they get to school and Hillary Faye is just like zoning off into space. And Mary is like, you know, you promised you wouldn't tell anyone like you, you promise. And she was like, oh, yeah, yeah. Clearly already calculating. And then Cassandra. Right. This is where we meet Cassandra. The, the one the, the one Jewish, as they say. <laughs> the Jewish. At this high school. Who comes speeding up in her car. She's smoking a cigarette. She does a lot of smoking on school grounds that is never. <laughs> I cannot believe she wouldn't have gotten expelled, but whatever. And this actually was a thing that was an issue I had watching the movie when I was younger, is that they were like, you know, basically that Cassandra is like the only one who is like not buying or whatever but like i had a number of friends who went to the christian high school in our area and <laughs> the reason for that is definitely for very similar reasons that cassandra said she's been kicked out of other schools right. behavioral issues and stuff yeah and so it's a it's a private school that's what christian schools are it's a private school so you can pay to send your kids to this private school and i think sometimes parents have some weird idea that like if they go to this christian school then somehow that will maybe help question mark in some way but like what that means is that you end up with a lot of of those kids at the, like a decent number for sure and then they just form their own clique and get in trouble all over the place i had a little bit of i had a little bit of a struggle believing that cassandra was the only yeah, one yeah the the idea that she was the only one in that situation in the whole school is yeah that's maybe a bit of a stretch <laughs> but whatever some of the worst some of like the kids with the most who had the most problems growing up that i knew were went to christian school but roland is clearly fascinated by her well, and as as we find out before very long, Roland is the one other person at the school who is not lying in any of this. Like, he's just sort of in this situation in his life where he hasn't really figured out how to come to terms with the fact that he's in a wheelchair, it seems. Mm -hmm. And he's just kind of he just kind of gets pushed around by Hillary Fay all the time. Like, that's his whole life. Who, like, uses him as, like, a prop for how wonderful she is. Well, also, I mean, I actually think that watching the movie this time, that one of my favorite things was the relationship between Roland and Hilary Faye, which was very complicated, in which they both resented each other for, like, very obvious and, like, understandable yeah, reasons. Yeah, totally legit reasons. <laughs> totally yeah. legit reasons. But, like, it's neither of their fault. It's the fact that their parents are fucking awful. Even though we never meet them, <laughs> like, we can feel pretty confident. And I think that they actually 
I don't know, they have like a, a moment at the end that I liked a lot. But so Roland is sort of like resentful of his life, you know, and he sees Cassandra, who's again, extremely hot. <laughs> And, like, comes, you know, speeding in in her car, but, like, smoking a cigarette. Her car has a bumper sticker on it that says, Jesus loves you, and everyone else thinks you're an asshole. And Hillary Faye sees it and, like, loses her mind and starts, like, scratching it off with her key. But the other thing about Cassandra is that every everyone in the school sees her as, like, their personal mission field, because everyone's trying, everyone's trying to get her saved, because she's the one person at the school that, you know, as far as they know, that isn't. And Hillary Faye, of course, leading the pack on that, because she sees herself as like god's warrior here so so they go in and they go into their first class and the teacher announces the beautiful statue that hillary Faye's parents paid for or whatever and you know all this stuff but before class is a moment that i found to be extremely accurate and again this is why i feel like i found the jewels more in some ways more believable or like more resonant to me than the gem or than you talking about the the assembly the assembly is one thing but no i'm actually talking about the moment before when tia played by heather Matarazzo, comes in she's super awkward but she clearly all she wants is to like be a christian jewel all she wants is for Hillary Faye to pay attention to her. She comes in with some story about how they think they saw the face of Jesus in their fish tank. Yep. And they can come over and see, you know, it's it's pretty dirty. The fish are mostly dead. But if they want to come see it later, they can. And Hillary Faye does this thing of like, that's really nice, Tia. Yes, thank you, Tia. I'll talk to you later. But I feel like I, I think that I was Tia at certain points. I also think I was Hillary Faye at certain points in that in that thing of like where you're not going to be like a total dick in like an outward way well no because it would it would crack your facade it would crack your facade jesus wouldn't want you to be whatever but like you do not want this person near you and i i really recognized that like honestly from both sides of it <laughs> i mean like i can think of definitely specific kids and i bet you can think of the same uh -huh. ones and a few yeah <laughs> i'm sure several of the same ones yeah where it's like you're nice to them but like also you're looking for an escape route out of the conversation as soon as possible and like they're trying they're trying too hard it's embarrassing but like also you know it sucks i mean that to me was honestly one of the most like relatable and legitimate dynamics <laughs> in this movie of just like these sort of the, the high school class differences, so to speak. Yeah. Anyway, so yeah, so they have, what happened in assembly? Oh, well, right, the assembly, they sing. Yeah, they, but the other thing that happened in that first classroom scene is that they meet Patrick, who is... Right, who is played by Patrick Fugit, but that is his name is Patrick. <laughs> yeah, yeah, that hadn't occurred to me before, but he's the son of the pastor who runs the school, and of course all the girls have an immediate crush on him because he's this skater kid who has been off traveling the world with his missionary mother, <laughs> and uh, he's, you know, this he's sort of like the super glamorous bad boy compared to everyone else in the school. Yeah, what did she, what did Mary say? Everyone else, like, everyone else in the school looks like they work for... NASA. NASA. Yeah, <laughs> So, yeah. <laughs> and, you know, I mean, Patrick Fugit is a, is a good looking guy. You know, he, he's a cutie. But so, yeah, so he shows up and all of the girls, Hillary Faye is like zeroed in on him. And Mary is interested, but not there yet. Wait, hang on real quick, because I can't remember. At this point, has Mary, Mary hasn't figured out that she's pregnant yet at this point, no. right? No, that happens after that happens after assembly. Right. Yeah. Yeah. OK. So they go to they go to assembly where Mandy Moore gets to sing. And, you know, she sings a 
I don't know. Singing just gibberish. <laughs> Dear God, little piece of heaven. I don't know. Nonsense. I mean, I assume it's supposed to be something that she wrote, but it's, yeah. And she's very into it. And Mary is singing and doing backup vocals and playing keyboards. And there's like a whole thing. And then Pastor Skip does a fucking flip out the door, which I didn't know any pastors who could do that. But the general idea holds. No, I, I didn't know any pastors who could do that, but I knew quite a few who definitely would have if they could have. For sure. For sure. <laughs> very much the youth pastor energy that I mean he's his character again is he's one of the to my mind he's one of the best examples of just like there's no way you could write that character so well if you weren't intimately familiar with it I mean <laughs> everything about it, everything that he says he, he immediately launches into like the sort of cringe adult trying to do yes. kids slang thing that's like 10 years old but you're kicking it with that, Jesus this right but see, the thing is is that in Christian culture that works because Christians are always like 10 years behind the culture so the kids think he's cool <laughs> they at least somewhat him. for sure yeah like he he really does sort of run his little and I remember thinking my youth pastors were cool yeah definitely they were not for sure <laughs> no they were not but at this point, youth pastor energy is like a hardcore thing that turns me off of a human being so fast. Pastor Skip is played by Martin Donovan, who is a character actor who I, everyone would recognize. He plays a lot of like kind of slimy characters because he has a very punchable face. He does. But he, he would almost certainly recognize him. He was in a couple of the Marvel movies. I'm looking at his filmography right now. He's been in a ton of stuff. He was in Spike Lee's Malcolm X movie. Mostly, pretty much all supporting roles. He's definitely a character actor type, but he's a good actor and he really na nails this this role. He's <laughs> He does. <laughs> One of the things that I noticed this time that I don't think I had ever noticed before because I was watching it with subtitles on, which I was was not a thing that I did when I when I watched it last. Because he, he launches into this prayer, and while he's praying, we get shots of other characters who are doing, like, their own private prayers. And so we're getting their voiceover of their own prayers. That's what it's focused on. His prayer is kind of in the background. Right. But at some points, the subtitles were picking up what he was saying. And he wraps up the prayer by praying for the safety of our president. <laughs> Oh, I don't think I I don't think I caught that and I was watching with subtitles. So and keep in mind that this would have been during the Bush era. Yeah. Just dead on. Dead on. I would bet uh, like I, I don't have a specific memory, but I would bet a thousand dollars that I heard a prayer wrapped up exactly that way yeah. in church or youth yeah. group during this time period. That's legit. Yeah. Well, and also the other thing he does is say, who wants to come down and give right. their the, life? The altar call. Jesus? Yeah. Um, and when no one comes down to give their life to Jesus, he says, I bet some of you have done some backsliding this summer. Who, you know, who needs to come down and rededicate? And then basically like half the fucking school like goes down. Of course. Yeah. I was like, man, you're not even going to do like the hand raise thing. You're just going to, which for anyone who, for some reason is listening to this and did not have this experience. Like there were the two options. Like you could do like the full on altar call of like come physically down or you could do the thing where you were like everyone bow your heads and close your eyes. Right. <laughs> and if someone wants to give their heart to the Lord or whatever, raise your hand, which was supposed to give them more privacy. But like you were listening so hard to see if the people next to you raised their hand. Like you Right. And like you've got your head bowed, but your eyes are open and you're trying to like look through your peripheral vision to see if. Yeah, yep. definitely. <laughs> I actually I remember when I was, I guess, 14 and the boy that I was crazy about, Josh, he wanted me to go out with him, but he wasn't a Christian. And at the time, I still sort of let this get in the way. Did, did he fake a conversion? He totally did. Uh, uh, <laughs> we were 
awesome youth night event or whatever. <laughs> and he ra- he was sitting next to me and he raised his hand and we talked afterwards and he was like, I'm a Christian now. And I like, I don't think I believed him, but like it was enough to like check the box. Right. I actually, I saw him again a few years ago and I just straight up asked him, I was like, did you fake it? Like, I totally don't care if you, he was like, oh yes, absolutely. <laughs> <laughs> Legit, legit. Yeah, I mean, the, the, of course. The advantage of the this is this is not directly related to the movie, but the advantage of the everyone bow your head and raise your hand if you want to method is that then the pastor can pretend if he gets no response at all, he can say, "Oh, I see that hand in the back." That's true. And then everyone thinks everyone thinks that that you know there are people being saved here. Joel, I don't think it ever occurred to me that they might have been lying. Wait, really? <laughs> Well, that was, I mean, I'm sure that wasn't always something I was aware of, but for as long as I can remember, that was transparently obvious to me. <laughs> That's amazing! That is the advantage of that method, because it's, why else would you do it that way? Because it's supposed to be a public thing. That's part of the point, right? It's true. And it's not like they care about protecting kids' privacy. No. God, no. Uh- <laughs> It's totally about protecting them from embarrassment, because there's nothing more embarrassing, I imagine, as a pastor than to do like a big impassioned sermon that climaxes with an altar call and have no one come down. Like, Oh, my God. That's amazing. <laughs> I love that so much. You're so right. Oh, I can't believe that never occurred to you. That's Yeah. I really trusted my youth pastors. I don't know why, because they were fucking awful to me, but I did. Anyway, <laughs> that's a side note. One thing, since, since we've now gone through it, since we've introduced Pastor Skip and gone through all the characters, one thing that definitely definitely struck me this time that I, I not plot wise, but just as a funny thing that I wanted to point out. I kind of wonder if perhaps the actor who plays Dean, Chad Faust is his name. I wonder if he was originally cast as Patrick as Pastor Skip's son, because the actor who plays him looks a lot like the actor who plays Pastor Skip to the point that it's kind of distracting that, that, that it's not supposed to be his son. Like, I, yeah, I can see that. He he looks like the same guy twenty five years younger. It's it is almost distracting. Like I think the only reason why it's not more distracting is because Dean is absent from most of the movie because he's off getting degayed. Not very successfully, right? Yeah, they put. It, <laughs> we get little bits of him like having phone conversations with Mary and stuff, and find out that his roommate at this place is like another guy who's there for the same reason. He's like he's like the worst one here. He once ran away to San Francisco. <laughs> ran away to San Francisco. Yeah, yeah. They're putting two guys in a room together, like. Apparently Mitch was in, it was an eye zombie. Maybe that's why I recognized him. Anyway, so they have the assembly. Mary is, you know, Mary's like personal prayer to God is like, you did restore me, right? Like, you know, she's clearly freaked out. Veronica thanks him from sa- for saving her from the fires of damnation. What does Hillary Faye pray for? I think she basically just prayed for a good year because she had the whole thing where like, I know I'm not supposed to pray for specifics, which was, she figured that that was why she had gotten the handicapper van, as she called it, instead of what she, instead of the fancy car she had actually prayed specifically for. She, she thought that the van was her punishment for praying for a specific. But I think all she prayed for was like that, that it would be a really good year at the school, I think, because everything was like set up to go perfectly. And Patrick prays that he won't make an idiot of himself, especially in front of Mary. Well, no, he prays that his dad won't make an idiot. Or that he was out. <laughs> Yeah, especially in front of Mary. Uh, and also we get we get kind of a more serious moment with Tia there where she prays that her dad will stop drinking. Yeah. But, uh, yeah. Which comes up occasionally in sort of mean ways. So, whatever. Skimming, because 
we're going to have to go a little faster, probably. So Mary goes home. She's watching some, like, she's watching a quiz show with a, like, Jeopardy-esque show with her mom, um, who's doing very badly at it. And then there's an advertisement for this movie called Bitter Harvest, the story of a woman's struggle with breast cancer. <laughs> and her mom is like, oh, that looks good. <laughs> <laughs> they they watch it together. There's a moment in the movie where, and at this point, we've seen Mary throw up, as must always happen with anyone who is ever pregnant in a movie. Right. That's the only thing that ever means when a woman throws up in a movie is that they're pregnant. Literally it. Unless they were, like, very drunk, like, just then. She, anyway, Valerie, whatever the fuck her name is. It was Valerie Bertinelli. Right? That sounds right. Yeah. yeah. Talks about how she thought she was pregnant initially because she stopped getting her period, but then it wasn't, it wasn't pregnancy. It was cancer. And, uh... Mary has this line where she's like, she got all that from a pregnancy test. <laughs> that was pretty good. Um, and then that night, she's like, thinking about Valerie's struggles, I realized my life wasn't so bad. And then she, like, and then she like, yeah. clicks. And the next day she goes, she shoplifts a pregnancy test, which I can only assume are like one of the top three most shoplifted items. Shoplifts a pregnancy test at a drugstore where Tia works. So Tia, like, is like, I'm saving up for a car and I can come pick you up. And she's like, okay, I'm leaving. Takes the pregnancy test and sure enough, she's going to have a baby. I believe it was a few days after she turned 18 and one week after prom. Or yeah, 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 that was what she figured, yeah. So, you know, she's panicked and seems to have no plan. <laughs> As a note, which is definitely like, I mean, whatever, it's, it's a kid thing. She goes to Planned Parenthood to double check to make sure that the, the pregnancy test didn't lie, which I'm sure also happens a lot at Planned Parenthood. And in the meantime, Roland and Cassandra are like bonding and Cassandra has like kidnapped him and taken him away for the day. I mean, willingly. He went willingly. Yeah. Willingly, yes. <laughs> kidnapped him from Killer, from Hillary Faye. And they're having coffee and they happen to be outside of the Planned Parenthood and they see Mary come out. And Cassandra like immediately knows what's going on or at least, you know, some part of what's going on. And he's like, why would Mary be there? And she's like, there's only one reason a Christian girl goes to a Planned Parenthood. Yeah. And Roland says, she's going to plant a pipe bomb? Yeah. Which made me laugh very hard, especially since it is not landed as if he thinks it is a joke. No, no, he's totally serious. Yeah. But Cassandra laughs and is like, okay, fine, two reasons. It's one of the best lines of the movie. So Mary, like, has no functional plan, but fortunately also no one fucking notices she's pregnant. Right. And this is addressed that it's such an, un it's like, it's, it's just a thing that has never happened at the school. So it's not, it's the same thing with no one noticed that Dean was gay. Like, it's just, right. it's not a thing that would occur to them. It's also the same thing with how it doesn't occur to anyone that's a little weird that Pastor Skip's wife has been gone for a year or two and they're <laughs> maybe their marriage is not great but no one talks about it because I honestly think for the kids it probably just doesn't occur to them I will say there's a very heartbreaking scene right after she gets off the bus from Planned Parenthood that I found I still find like very touching of her like going there's like a cross in front of a church or something and she like goes up to the cross and she like stares at it for a while and then she starts saying swear words and like waiting for God to like strike her sort of thing and of course nothing happens and like I think that mo that moment still plays like it's still it's you know this realization that like mm -hmm. what you thought wasn't true and you feel she feels betrayed and she feels yeah I don't know it's 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 a sad moment um also I appreciate that she put the swear words in order of shit fuck goddamn yeah. <laughs> yep. which I think is a beautifully recognized thing which is absolutely correct but Hillary Faye Hillary Faye and her have a break because Hillary Faye puts on a prayer circle to de-gayify Dean, just starts handing out flyers. Right. This is another example of the, like a, 
I mean, this would be an extreme example. I never saw anything this extreme, but it's a common thing where you have people essentially spreading gossip in the form of prayer requests. Yes. <laughs> uh... And it was definitely like a known thing. Like people, like they would talk, people would talk about it. Mm-hmm. Right. But some people could get away with it. Right. So yeah. Hillary, Hillary Faye has a prayer circle, which Mary comes to after finding out she's pregnant and is very upset. Starts yelling at Hillary Faye. Hillary Faye strips her of her Christian jewel pin. Yeah. Because she can pollute the jewels and everything they stand for. So her and Hillary Faye aren't really talking. But Pastor Skip is worried about Mary, probably partly because he has the hots for Mary's mom. Right. This is another ongoing layer to the plot here. Yeah. And they're like, question mark, dating, not dating. I don't know. They're not admitting they're dating at this point, but mm-hmm. they're seeing each other several times a week, which is also part of why her mom is distracted and like doesn't notice what's going on with Mary. She's not like a great mom. <laughs> no, no, she's not. <clears throat> she's very distracted. Mary is clearly often the parental figure. In their well, relationship. to be fair, to be fair, her mom is the number one Christian interior decorator in the entire region. That's so she's got a lot the, going on. The opening monologue. Oh, so good. So she doesn't notice what's happening with Mary because she's distracted with Skip. And I think at some point she says she knows she was putting on weight, but she thought she was stress eating and she didn't want to give her a complex, which like good for her. But yeah, like also response. But yeah, a little more awareness. Come on. So Mary is just like. Mostly, you know, staying away from people. But Pastor Skip approaches approaches the jewels, who now include Tia, I guess, because she had no other option. And are like, hey, like, I know that Mary's one of your homies. I wish I was exaggerating. Part of her posse. Part of her posse. Yeah. Part of the posse. <laughs> and I just, if you guys, you know, I'm really worried about her. Maybe you guys could go, you know, love her for Jesus <laughs> And Hillary Faye is, of course, honored to be asked to do something, by the, which I, I had that periodically. We had at least one friend in our group that we had because our youth pastor approached us and was like, she's new. She's need fr- she needs friends. Go make friends with her. Mm-hmm. We did. So they, they kidnap her, not willingly. They throw her into a van and attempt to exercise her. Right. <laughs> and she's basically like, fuck you. Except she doesn't say that because they already used their one fuck. But right, it's a PG thirteen movie here. Yeah. So, so she gets out of the van, starts walking away, and Hillary Faye is like, "You're declining our our offer of love, or you are backsliding into the fires of hell." And uh, Mary says, "You know, Hillary Faye, you don't know anything about love." And she turns around, and in what is probably the most famous line of the movie, Hillary Faye angrily throws her Bible at her and says, "I am filled with Christ's love." Yep. And Mary picks up the Bible, brings it back to her. It's, this is not a weapon, you idiot. <laughs> and just, like, walks away. So, presumably at that point, Hillary Faye feels like she has checked off her obligations and is no longer speaking to her. On her way home, Mary gets picked up by Patrick Fujit, who is riding. She's like, <laughs> said something about a scooter, and he's like, Mary, this is a Vespa. <laughs> Yeah, yeah that, was, that was a very, very charming scene. Yeah, it was. It was a very charming scene. She, he takes her home on his Vespa and says, so he's like, I just want you to know that I don't think Dean's sick or anything. Mercy House doesn't really exist for the people who get sent there. It exists more for the people who do the sending, which is a much more honestly compassionate look at it than I would have, <laughs> but is like at its core true. And she's like, why were you at Hillary Faye's then at the prayer circle? And he's like, because I honestly, because I was figured you'd be there. <laughs> he's he's another like an interesting character type that I definitely remember being a thing where who 
he wasn't necessarily fully on board with everything. Like he was a bit more cynical than the average in this group. Uh, yes. But he kind of he was he kind of had the thing where he he got along with everybody. Like yes. you know he has cachet with the popular kids because he's the pastor's son and he's a friendly guy and so he can hang out with them. But he also gets along perfectly well with the, the outsider characters with Roland and Cassandra. But it was definitely a thing. There were definitely kids like that. Sure. No, there absolutely were, and who were able to be nice and have it be like a genuine nice. And, you know, they were just they were just kind of chill. So he tries to ask her out and she kind of puts him off. <laughs> she's like fucking pregnant. But doesn't, doesn't tell him that. But yeah, she doesn't tell him that. She just tells him that she's not dating right now. And he says, what about tomorrow? Will you date tomorrow? Yeah. <laughs> it's honestly like a much more charming scene than it has a right to be. And like Patrick Fujit really pulls it off. So she's wearing increasingly large sweatshirts to school. Cassandra knows what's happening, but no one else has noticed. And Hillary Faye is saying shitty stuff about her in the classroom is like outwardly praying for her to come back to Jesus. Yeah. As so she goes to the bathroom, Cassandra follows her and is like, is smoking in the bathroom because apparently there's no smoke detectors. I don't know. It's smoking in the bathroom. And it's like, don't you not want that? Don't you hate when people smoke around you right now? It's so bad for the baby. And I'm like, Cassandra, like the thing is, it actually is bad for the baby. And there is a lot of Cassandra and Roland smoking with, with Mary in the car. <laughs> Which, like, is totally a thing that would happen. It just makes me wince and then makes me realize I'm old. And she, anyway, she, eventually, like, Cassandra kind of keeps pushing her and she finally just, like, breaks down and starts crying. And Cassandra gives her a hug and is like, like, you got to get out of here. Like, we need to, we need to go. And they're, like, walking out. Mary's like, are we cutting? <laughs> <laughs> Clearly something that she had never done in her life before. It's one of the, you know. Yeah, Cassandra has installed a wheelchair or, like, a, a handbrake for her car. So that Roland can drive. Yeah, hand controls. Yeah. <laughs> she showed she showed it to him, and he was like, "You just did this for the parking permit, didn't you?" And she was like, "Absolutely." Mm-hmm. <laughs> They're cute. And so Roland is waiting in the car. So apparently this was a plan. And uh, they take off, and they there's a whole scene of them trying on clothes. They're doing like a maternity thing, and he uses Hillary Face credit card to pay for it. Yeah. So they buy a bunch of clothes, and and she has friends now. She's she's hanging out with these people who are who are nice to her. This was something that I know really struck me when I was younger. That like watching this, like my memories of growing up in Christian culture, and like the people who were nice to me were the bad kids. Mm-hmm. The ones who treated me well were the not Christian kids. They were the atheists. They, you know, my fucking love of my life boyfriend when I was in high school, like, wasn't doing a ton of drugs at the time that I knew him. But like all of his friends were definitely doing a lot of drugs. He was a smoker. He was, you know, like, but they were the people who were nice to me in ways that I had never experienced. And it definitely rings true that they would be the ones who would be nice to her in this situation. Like, yeah, absolutely. Not even just in general, but in this situation in particular. Mm-hmm. And, you know, that they're all sort of outsiders in their own ways. They're all, like, treated poorly by the by the group. There is a funny line when she gets to the car where she asks, she's like, Roland, you can't drive, can you? And Roland's like, you, you guys don't think we can do anything. And she's like, that's not what it is. You don't have a license. And he was like, no. Nah. <laughs> yeah. It's cute. So, <laughs> so at one point, the three of them are at the mall for around Christmas, and Cassandra is giving her a hard time for not dating Patrick, giving her shit that maybe if she told Patrick to act a little more gay, then <laughs> she would be a dick. But they're having fun, and it's it's nice to see. Um, and then Patrick shows up with Hillary Faye, who is shopping and who is doing her usual Hillary Faye thing, and Cassandra makes an incredible sacrifice. <laughs> Tell, tells Hillary Faye that she wants to convert so that she can distract her long enough for uh, for Mary and Patrick to talk. Yeah, 
<laughs> it was very cute. And then Hillary faces down and says, I don't have all my equipment, and I have spent yeah, my whole life wondering what her equipment was supposed to be. Yeah. And then she tells Cassandra that she has to she has to say all of the sins she did out loud. <laughs> And Cassandra's like, does that include all the swears? Because I have a pretty goddamn dirty mouth. So in the meantime, Patrick and and Mary escape. Patrick like takes her into a back room in the mall that has all these like decorations for different holidays. Right. Storage for the seasonal decorations, yeah. And it's cute, and you know, he's like, I just ran into Hillary Fay here. She like she was helping me pick out some presents, but like you know, I didn't come here with her. And they have a nice little moment together on a heart couch, and they almost kiss. He tells her he he is a much better communicator than any 17 year old boy I've ever met. <laughs> Certainly any 17 year old Christian boy. He is just like very straight up like, I like you and I <laughs> like, I think you're beautiful and whatever. Uh, they almost kiss and then the couch moves weird and scares them. And she's like, no, I can't do this. And she takes off. And the next day, Cassandra, still very angry, <laughs> Hilary Faye <laughs> tapes a piece of rotten bacon inside her locker. <laughs> Hilary Faye is like pretending it doesn't, it doesn't happen. It's like comes up with her, like her shirt over her face. <laughs> it's like, Cassandra, how great is Jesus? Or whatever. Cassandra's like, yeah, about that. I decided to devote my life to Satan instead. <laughs> Thanks. <laughs> And she said something to Mary earlier about how, like, it's not a big deal. Last year, I dedicated myself to Jesus so I could go on the ski trip. Right. Yeah. <laughs> Which is also so real. Yeah. Anyway, so Hillary Faye's upset or whatever. I think it's at that point or it's around there that Mary shows them that she's keeping her ultrasound picture. So I guess she is getting some kind of medical treatment. Yeah. No, we don't see any evidence of that. <laughs> Um, but she's keeping her ultrasound picture in her locker at school. And they're like, are you sure it's safe here? And she's like, well, safer than at home. Like, <laughs> And, you know, she's like, I'm having a little girl. Cassandra's like, are you sure you're not having a sea monkey? You know, it's it's fine. But like, it's nice. It's nice. Like the three of them have like a thing and it's cute and whatever. But Cassandra's still really mad at Hillary Faye, who keeps treating her terribly, who like gives her shit. And then when she swears at her or whatever, she like records it and tries to take it to Pastor Skip to get her expelled. Like Hillary Faye is like losing her goddamn shit. Yeah, no, she is. She is literally doing like the descent into madness performance. Yes. <laughs> yes. Her yeah. whole her whole like sweet Christian girl thing is crumbling. Because <laughs> all of these people are <laughs> refusing to go along with how she wants her year to go. And it's it's pretty entertaining. Yeah. So Roland tells Cassandra. Yeah, this is the low point in the movie here. Does not play well these days. Yeah. It didn't play amazing then, but it definitely plays pretty badly now. And the only reason I'll let them slide on it is because, uh, not slide, but like I'll, I don't give it quite as much because it does seem clear that he is genuinely apologetic about that at the end and stuff. But like, but the whole concept is like troubling. <laughs> Basically, the the concept is that like what he shows them, he shows them a picture that Hillary Faye used to be fat and have like headgear. Right. Um, that she wasn't pretty. And she had like the curly hair that is stereotypical of ugly nerdy children and yes, movies and giant yeah. glasses and all of this um and that he's like his parents didn't want didn't want two handicapped children and she was the easier fix the easier yeah <laughs> so she had i believe he said surgeries and fat camps and uh, yeah yeah which i mean again clearly their parents are fucking monsters but so they take this picture of hillary fay and they put it on all the computers so everyone sees this picture of Hillary Faye, which is a cruel thing to do. And like an upsetting, like, I get it. 
like, and I, I'm not even saying that kids might not do this, but like, it's just, I don't know. It's gross. Like it's, and she freaks out and tries to convince Pastor Skip that it was clearly them who did it. And he's like, well, she tries to convince Pastor Skip that it was Mary and Cassandra who did it. Mary didn't have anything to do with it. She didn't know. Mm-hmm that they were going to do this. This was all Cassandra and Roland. And Pastor Skip's like, well, you know, you, you, you haven't proven that they did it. You need to bring me proof. And she's like, cool, but I brought you proof before and you didn't do anything. <laughs> like, so she is like losing her mind. And she prays and prays like in this like ecstasy of psychotic prayer by her bed, mm-hmm. um, praying for Jesus to tell her what to do. And the next day they all go to school. And the school is graffitied in very dorky graffiti. The funniest. It's like that. Have you seen that picture of it was one of those things that was it was going around like the conservative Internet for a while. It was this picture of this old man who had supposedly had his his house graffitied by like Black Lives Matter vandals. But the graffiti was literally like black people rule. <laughs> it was so clearly not. Like, it was so clearly something that the guy had just done himself. And it's literally, it's that kind of stuff. I believe there was one that said Hillary Faye humps. Yes. Uh, There was one that was like, God equals dog. (laughs) Yes. Something about Pastor Skip. Yeah, it was all, it was all very dorky stuff. Yeah. But so then they do a locker search to see if they can find any evidence, because apparently the person who did this would have hidden it in their locker. I don't really fully understand this because all they just all the graffiti seem to be on the outside. It doesn't matter. So they do a locker search, and lo and behold, Cassandra and Mary's locker both have spray cans in them. And then Pastor Skip comes and asks the assistant person or whatever who's helping him, "Is there anything else?" And she, for some reason, pulls this piece of paper out of there and looks at it and realizes it's an ultrasound. And to her credit, is like know nothing and is not going to tell, tries to hide it, which is like one of the few moments I think of like genuine kindness. From any of the adults in the, yeah. yeah. But then she apparently can't hold on to things and it falls down. <laughs> so then they realize she's pregnant. And Hillary Faye is, you know, looking over at all of this happening from her stance on like a walkway on the second floor. And Roland looks up at her and says, you have everything, Hillary Faye. What are you so afraid of? And he rolls off. So Cassandra gets expelled. I assume Mary does too, although it doesn't say that. No, I don't think she got expelled, but they go into the whole thing where they, I don't, I don't think they had figured out what to do with her because immediately Pastor Skip starts trying to talk her mom into sending her off to Mercy House. Like oh that's God. the, Fuck him, dude. that's Fuck the him. solution that he jumps to. I, like, and, and he sees it as this whole, they, the mom and him have had this ongoing flirtation and he sees it as, you know, this is God punishing us by trying to get our attention through your daughter. And, you know, we've been so caught up in each other that we haven't noticed that this thing is going on. And now we're like... Which, like, is not untrue. That part isn't untrue. <laughs> we're caught up in sin, so we're not in a position to help her and all that. Uh, so so his solution is because they're not in a position to help her spiritually because they're caught up in this thing together, they need to send her to Mercy House. That's his... And she does not want to do that. I will say at this point, I think her the two of them are basically actually dating they've kissed patrick had a conversation with his dad where he was like look mom told me everything why won't you just give her a divorce and skiff's like divorce isn't in god's plan son and patrick's like yeah i think you need a new plan and like walks off and that night he calls i think it's valentine's day or whatever he calls um, mary's mom and and they do kiss that that night for the first time he's like telling her about christian music or something like about <laughs> right about the the how you know the the master plan of christian pastors to have it sounds just like the secular music that's the point 
point. Exactly. Yeah. <laughs> you get him with the music and then you hit him with the gospel. And she looks at him and just mm-hmm. says, Skip, I don't care. <laughs> I like you and I want you to kiss me. <laughs> like, but you know. Anyway. So they are actually kind of dating by that point. He's not divorced and whatever, but secretly, though, secretly dating. They're not, yes, because he is so married. Yeah, and he says they can't see each other anymore if she doesn't send her kid to Mercy House, which, in my opinion, is like, fuck you, we're never, yeah, we're never and, seeing each yeah. other again. That's fine. Yeah, I'm good. So, but she decides that she's going to send her to Mercy House. It's the night of prom. Oh, and Cassandra, when she when she runs out, she's so upset. She's upset about getting expelled and like, you know, the one time she didn't do anything. She gets expelled. Mm-hmm. Um, and Roland tries to come with her and she kind of snaps at him and drives off, leaves him without a ride. And he apparently just sleeps on the grass. I don't know. His parents like just don't notice he's gone. I, I don't know. But he's, I don't know. Was he actually supposed to be like out overnight? Like you get this montage of him kind of wandering around fending for himself for the day. I don't I didn't get the impression that he was supposed to be out. All- but he was laying on the grass. Yeah. So like that was one of the things he did was he just, yeah, you know, wheeled himself into this grassy field and laid out and looked at the sky for a while. I didn't get the impression he was supposed to have been there overnight. We see him. We see him taking the bus like he he's able to navigate the city by himself as part of the yeah, So I assume he went to the night. So Cassandra, who like is in love with him and, you know, they they have a they have a cute thing. And she feels incredibly guilty about it. You know, once she calms down. So she starts looking for him everywhere. There's like a moment where she's in the car where she's like, please help me find him that I guess is supposed to be her praying or whatever, which I found a little annoying, but whatever. And she does. She finds him at the coffee shop where they initially were having coffee that first day. And he gives her a little speech about how like you know, he's he's always just kind of like been following, you know, been being dragged around by Hillary Faye. That was it. And then he met her, but he had felt like he was relying on her in the same way that he had been relying on Hillary Faye. And he says, I don't want to be the guy who's with the girl because I need to be. I want to be the guy who's with the girl because I want to be. And I want you, which is like very sweet. But also, I, if I was her, I would have been fucking terrified until that last line, because it definitely sounded like he was breaking up with her. Yeah, well, yeah. She, she clearly was. I mean, that was that, it was actually played fairly well, I think. Like, so so whatever. And then he's like, I have a plan. And so they take the credit card or whatever they get. Cassandra wears a tux for prom that night in a way like, holy shit. Yeah. It is so hot. <laughs> I truly just cannot. She looks so amazing. And they buy this red dress for, for Mary and they call her and get her to sneak out. And she sneaks out and they're like, let's go to prom together. And she, and part of the reason uh, she's like, you know, Hillary Faye is going to have us murdered if we crash her prom. And Roland is like, no, I've been, I've been swiping her credit card bills. So that she doesn't notice all the charges I've been doing. And on the, you know, at three in the morning, she charged, uh, a bunch of spray paint at Home Depot, which what Home Depot is open at three in the morning? Is that like a thing? <laughs> yeah, I don't think there's such a thing as a 24 hour Home Depot. But... Anyway, whatever. Um, and so they know it was her who did it. And so he feels like they have proof and it's their prom and they have a right to be there. Also, they got, they called Patrick and Patrick is all dressed up and has two different corsages depending on the color of her dress. It's very cute. So they go to prom. Meanwhile, Hillary Faye has tried to get ready for prom. Her credit card has declined for her mm-hmm. hair. She gets a zit <laughs> and she has to, and because her credit cards declined, they can't take like a limo or whatever. So they have to go in the van. And it's like her and the other two jewels. Right. None of them have dates. Yeah. None of them have dates. It's not like the ideal life, but she did get this famous Christian band, Godspell or something. I don't know. God. God's flight. God's flight. God's flight. Yeah. Which I have a note about that. Would we? Okay. So she did get this band to come on stage. So they go in, they're all dancing to God's flight. What is your note on God's flight? 
So again, this is one of those things that I caught because I had the subtitles on that I had never caught before. They have kind of a similar thing to the the previous music that Hillary Fay was singing, where it's just kind of like vaguely spiritual gibberish that is clearly not like it's not like a real song that they wrote for the movie. It's just like mostly going on in the background. Yeah, but. When it cuts to a shot of them performing, the first line, the first lyric that the guy sings is, did you notice it? I, I, maybe? I don't know. The first lyric is, we'll inherit the earth, but we don't want it. Yes! Which I think is the funniest thing I've ever heard in my life. <laughs> That's right. Oh my God. So they're all dancing. She's like having a good time if it kills her sort of thing. She looks kind of crazy. And then she sees... Patrick dancing, which she had a crush on Patrick, incidentally, obviously, and that didn't work out for her. So she sees Patrick dancing with Mary in this red dress. None of the outfits they're wearing would be allowed at any Christian school. Definitely. I mean, you know, even assuming that the school had a dance, which is like a big assumption, but okay. And then sees, you know, Cassandra dancing with Roland. And so she... (laughs) She, like, gets up on stage and does this little speech and it's like, the people who graffitied our school have crashed our prom. <laughs> like, whatever. And Pastor Skip, could you go up here and, like, take care of this? <laughs> and Pastor Skip is like, okay. Like, he does actually do the right thing. He does in this exact and only this exact second. <laughs> he does the right thing. Where he's like, his, his, look. That, that impulse didn't last very right. long. He's before. like, look, like yeah. the Christian thing to do is let them stay. I don't think they're here to hurt anyone. Let's just have a good time. And of course, Hillary Faye, like, cannot with that. <laughs> so she's losing her mind, you know. And Roland comes up and tries to, like, out her and say that she did the thing. And she's like, this doesn't prove anything. It only shows that, like, you've been using my credit card. <laughs> which, right, which that didn't Is accurate, is accurate. All of their other charges were on their And, like, let's be clear. What Pastor Skip obviously should have done at this point is be like, all of you children, let's go into my office or whatever. Yeah, the fact that this confrontation all plays out in public. In front of the whole fucking standing school. standing there is a little ridiculous. Oh, my yeah. God. It's so, it's so enraged. Anyway, but Tia, who had wanted to try on Hillary Faye's TR, and Hillary Faye is still being mean to Tia. Like, she's not not mean to Tia just because she's part of the group now, and Tia's not loving it. At some point, way earlier in the movie. It's in, it, there was a scene earlier in the movie where they were in the mall and Cassandra shows up drunk. Which, like, honestly, I was concerned about her and whoever, whatever guys she was yelling at, and, like, I don't know. She had a lot going on that the movie just doesn't really, like, go into, but... And she's super drunk. And Mandy and uh, Hillary Faye's response to it was, "You smell like Tia's dad," which well, Tia's is right well, there. Tia's right there. It was ugh, fucking brutal. Anyway, but she's—I mean, she's she's mean to her. She's always mean to her. So Tia had like reached under the had reached under the seat of the car for her bag and had pulled out this receipt that Hillary Faye had apparently crumpled there that show that had her signature on it for buying the the spray paint. And she shows this to Pastor Skip, and Pastor Skip is like, "Well, this is your signature." And Hillary Faye melts down. Melts down. <laughs> Starts screaming about everything she does to the school, goes running out of the gymnasium. Roland, at this point, you can see he feels guilty and tries to go after her. She she gets into the van. Well, some other, some other stuff goes down before it's right. So she's walking van. out, and then as she's walking out, who should arrive? But Dean and Mitch and several other kids from Mercy House who apparently stole the van to come to the prom. Dean does not know that. Uh, Mary is pregnant. She thought about telling him, but couldn't figure out how to deliver that news, I think. So right. he runs into her, very pregnant, in this dress. Looks at her and it's like, is it? She's like, yes. And he's like, the first time. <laughs> Which is a common misconception. And uh, and then he says, that's that's amazing. 
Which is one of those things where it's like, like it's not really, but like also that's a sweet that's a sweet response as opposed yeah. to there like. There's also the thing with Patrick earlier where he was like, it really doesn't matter to me. I don't care yes. that you're about to have a baby. It's like, dude, you're fucking 17, 18. It should matter. It should to matter. You. It should matter. But like, they're sweet responses for 18 year olds to give, and like, I get what they're going for. And then he's like, I have to introduce you to someone. She's like, this is your life partner. And he's yeah. like, well, prom days, but <laughs> that was all cute. So then Pastor Skip comes out, and he cannot let this stand. So, you know, God forbid that he should let the gays into the prom. He has he has what is possibly my favorite line of the movie here, where he comes in, he comes up to, and confronts Dean and tells him very seriously, what you and your friends have done is not cool in the eyes of God. <laughs> <laughs> oh, also, Dean and Patrick shake hands in a very friendly way, and it's cute. But, uh, yeah, not cool in the eyes of God, and they're like, this is our prom. Like, we're, like also, we're going to get kicked out of Mercy House. Our parents have disowned us at this point. Like, where do you think we should go? And, like, he does not have an answer to this. And then at this point, it's around this point, I think, in the middle of the standoff where they hear the van. <laughs> and <laughs> Hillary Faye is in the van yelling about everything she's done and how God does it, whatever. And she drives the van as fast as she can and does a, like, screeching halt sideways hit, which is fairly impressive. Yeah, the rams the Jesus rams statue. Rams the Jesus statue. Yeah. The head of the Jesus statue goes off and falls on her car. Roland is like run is like run, you know rolling his way out there trying to get to her. Cassandra's running after him and it's like that was awesome, Hillary Faye. Yeah. <laughs> Hillary Faye gets out and is just and Roland's like, oh my god, like are you okay? And she's like, no, I just crashed my van into Jesus. I have a pimple the size of Jupiter on my face. I am not okay. And they have a sweet moment where Roland is like, I'm really sorry. For like trying, you know, for like outing you like that in front of everyone. I'm really sorry that, you know, whatever. And she's like, Do you think Jesus still loves me? And he's like, Probably not. And then he like sees her face on. He's yeah, like, He said it as a joke, I think. Yeah. He's I think, clearly distraught. And by he's, it. Like, I'm, he's like, Yeah, I'm sure he does. I'm sure he does. It's like they have what I feel like at the end of that, I'm like, Okay, I feel like these two will hopefully like grow up and figure more shit out and actually have a really good relationship. Like, against their awful parents like that you feel like that that was nice in the meantime mary goes into labor as of course must happen in any movie in which someone is pregnant um the ambulance comes to pick her up they put her in the ambulance and they're like and like five people try to climb in <laughs> they're like wait we only have room for one and patrick's like i'm the or dean's like i'm the father and patrick's like i'm the boyfriend it's <laughs> just like i'm his boyfriend <laughs> and the guy's like cool we still only have room for one <laughs> And then her mom arrives. Um, her mom, who I don't know, she was she was watching the quiz show again, and there was something about how how long it takes mothers to to bond in their first moments of life with their child or whatever. I don't know. It's dumb, and she really she well. Her Mary and the we skipped it. The Mary and the and her mother had had a confrontation earlier because her mother was sending her off to Mercy House. Right. She was like, "Why are you doing this to me?" And she was, you know, she said something about how. You know, you this you're could not ruin your whole life. This kid, this could ruin your whole life, and yeah, it was. A... Mary took it personally. Like, did I ruin yours? And you know, whatever. Yeah. And so her mom's feeling guilty, and she like realizes she's not there. Presumably, realizes where she is. Goes to the prom, and is there just in time to go into the <laughs> with her. And you know, is like, let's do this. So they go to the hospital. She has a baby. It's a little girl. I don't. Do we 
hear what they name it? I don't think we do. I don't think so. It's interesting. Mm. Usually they throw that in. And uh, Dean is thrilled, which is very cute. He's he's very excited. And uh, they're all in the room, you know, taking turns holding the baby or whatever. And she has some, like, I always hated the end of this movie. I always thought it was just, like, wishy-washy and, like, whatever, where she's like, you know, none of us really know what Jesus wants, but we're all going to... Right, like, in, in voiceover, yeah. And the character isn't saying it, it's a voiceover. We're all yeah. just going to keep trying to find out together. And I'm like, okay, yeah, whatever. Fuck you. Um, and in the meantime, yeah. Pastor Skip has arrived. And we, we also have the moment where... Right. Yeah, that's what I was... Yeah. Pastor Skip has arrived. He has flowers. Yeah. We, we have what is supposed to be like an endearing moment of him debating with himself whether he should go into the hospital. And we know it's endearing uh, because Mary Louise Parker is, like, looking at him with fondness. And I'm just like, no, fuck him. Like, fuck him. <laughs> like, yeah. But whatever. And then, basically, that's how it ends i still i like i think it is a, it is a good movie of a very specific time and place there's still a lot in it that i like a lot definitely watching it this time it probably it'd been a long time since i last saw it it may have been since we watched it for group it probably has been yeah for me at least yeah there were some things as mentioned that i don't think landed well actually that's probably not true because i, I probably showed it to some people at moldoma while i was there oh that makes sense yeah i would it would almost be weird if i hadn't yeah so but i mean there's definitely some things that don't hold up as well and that i'm now like mm. <laughs> yeah, and I mean, you know, the, just in terms of craft-wise, it's not exactly the the most. Th there's nothing. There's nothing technically impressive going on no. here. There's some stuff that there's some stuff that's pretty weak on that score. Some of the performances are kind of uneven. There's a handful of moments with very obvious like uh, ADR moments where yes, you have like really kind of clumsily added in, and you know, there's there's. There's definitely some stuff to pick apart on that level. There is. But I think that overall it's like I'm super glad it exists, I guess. It feels like like something talking about an experience that I lived through to some extent. And I'm willing to overlook some of its faults <laughs> <laughs> yeah. for that. I'll probably always have pretty fond feelings for it, I guess. Mm -hmm. Do you remember anything about the conversation afterwards? Uh, I mean, I don't I feel like I could. I could guess right. pretty accurately as to how it would have gone, but I don't I don't have any specific memories. And I, I definitely think that, like, you know, when I was showing this to dad or whatever, if I showed it to him first, which I might have, like, I know I was trying to, like, articulate something or, like, communicate something about the experience that I had had that was, like, not the experience that he had had. <laughs> I don't know how well that worked. Probably not well. So anyway, I'm super glad we got to rewatch it, though. Yeah. It was fun, and I enjoyed doing it. So, yeah, which is more than definitely. I can say of some of these movies. Uh, and this is, I mean, this is by far the most in-depth that we've gone so far in any of these episodes in terms of discussing the details yeah. of the movie. So you can kind of tell. It's a movie we actually like. <laughs> Both of us, we liked it and watched it a lot. Yes. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, for sure. Hopefully it wasn't too boring. Want to pick next week's movie? Yeah, let's do that. Random number generator. I got 52 this time. 52. It's Marjo. Oh, is that that documentary? Documentary. About the, the preacher guy? Yeah. Yeah. God, we are really hitting the obscure stuff for the most part. I mean, this... You know, the fact that Saved is one of the less obscure movies we've covered so far really says something. I remember finding this movie fascinating, but I remember no details about it, so... See, I think I mix up Marjo and... Ooh, what was the... Uh, Frisbee? Yes, I mix up Marjo and Frisbee. Yeah. 
that one was another, yeah, another documentary about it. Yeah, that one was also pretty fascinating. I'm kind of looking forward to rewatching both of those. So yeah, no, I, I think it'll be good. I'm I'm definitely curious how I feel about them now. I feel like I remember more about Frisbee than I do about Marjo. So well, Frisbee was the positive portrayal, right? I mean, he was he was uh... like kind of positive, 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 but also like <laughs> weird. I mean, Marjo was a, a a con artist, though. I mean, that's right. That's right. At least that's my memory. Okay. He was he was big in like the early televangelism movement. Right. So it was yeah. It's not. I I, I also I think kind of conflate them in my mind, but they were they were very different things. So. Cool. Well, I'm looking forward to watching. We've been talking for a while. Do you want to touch on a few things that you've watched lately, or anything stand out? Yeah, I would I would still like to let's do that to hit on that. We'll see. We may <laughs> this may end up being a two and a half hour episode. You may want to just cut this, but so I watched. Just this morning, in fact, I watched Relic. Have you heard about Relic? Maybe. Give me more information. Relic is a horror movie that came out just earlier this year. About It's got Emily Mortimer. It is about a woman and her daughter who go to visit her mother slash grandmother, Emily Mortimer's mother, who is this aging woman who lives by herself in this old house and is clearly fading she's getting dementia and they go to the house to check on her because her neighbors haven't seen her in a few days and it's basically a horror movie about about uh dementia and aging and the sort of loss of identity that comes along with that and the way it affects the people that are you know the younger family members people that you love and it's with you know i think we can probably all any reasonable person will agree that that's one of the more horrifying aspects of real life yeah so <laughs> it's a uh, fertile ground, I would say, for a horror movie. Um, it's a first-time feature director, Natalie Erica James, okay. who is an Australian director, and it was it was pretty good. It's hard to escape the comparison to Hereditary, mm, mm-hmm. uh, and it's not that good. Okay, so <laughs> it suffers a little bit on that score, I would say, but it it does definitely have stuff going for it. It's it's. The, the hereditary comparison is unfortunate and, and probably not entirely fair, but it's it's also one that's hard to avoid if you've seen it. Yeah. Uh, but it is it definitely has its own merits. I would I would recommend it. I thought it was pretty good. Cool. So I did that just this morning. A couple of days ago, I watched a thing on Mubi, which is a, a streaming service that I have subscribed to for a while, and I have watched quite a lot of sort of oddball stuff on there that I probably would never have watched otherwise. Yeah. They had an Icelandic film called Echo, okay. which came out last year, I believe, that was essentially, it was a compilation of like 50 or 60 single scenes, some of which were actual like whole scenes with characters and little arcs that play out. And some of the, like the opening shot of the movie is just a shot of a pickup truck going through a car wash. As I said, none, none of them are connected to each other, uh, except the fact that they're all in Iceland, sort of like, basically it's like a, it's set over like Christmas and a little bit over New Year's. So it's, it's like snapshots of modern life in Iceland around the holidays. Uh, uh, and they're all like, all of the shots are just single angle static shots. And it's everything from, like I said, the pickup truck going through a car wash to, uh, some, some of them are very sad, like kind of heartbreaking. Some of them are just kind of goofy there's all kinds of stuff hmm. 
I kind of loved it to the point where I think I might actually buy it and make it like a an annual Christmas watch because I thought it was just fascinating. I really loved it, and it was not one that I had uh, not one that I had heard of before. But I thought it looked. Uh, I mean, this is the, I, I, this happens a lot with movie. They get stuff that I've never heard of and would probably never find on my own. Right. That I I find. Uh, pretty compelling when I decide to watch it. So yeah, that, I, unfortunately, I think it expired for movie already. That, that's part of their thing is that they keep things for 30 days and they have 30 movies at a time. Right. So I think I watched it on the last day that it was available, actually. So what else have I been doing? Tina and I are still doing our rewatch through the Marvel movies. We watched Captain Marvel the other night, mm-hmm. which I hadn't seen since the theater. Bit of a, that. You, did you like that one? I don't remember. Um, no, I did not. <laughs> there are a few moments in it that I like, but overall, I had a lot of negative feelings. So, so it's definitely like the, the the plot is kind of a disaster and like, you know, a bit heavy handed in some aspects. And obviously, that, but I really, really love the way Brie Larson plays the character. Yeah, she's great. It's not her fault. She Yeah, but I I think it goes further for me than it goes for you. Mm-hmm. But she has like this. I, I don't know if you'll remember this, but I, for some reason, specifically remember this conversation that I had that you and I had. I believe when we were watching, we were both at the same time watching the show The Good Wife. Mm-hmm. And Jeffrey Dean Morgan came onto that show in like, I can't remember which season it was, but he was a recurring character for a while. Mm-hmm. And we were both big fans of his character, and he was in a lot of stuff in that time period. And that we had, so we'd seen him in several things, and we both really liked him. Yeah. And I remember that we were having this conversation about his character and how he has this thing that is really hard to pull off, where like he always feels like he's teasing everyone that he talks to. <laughs> yeah. But like, in a, in a, he makes it endearing. It's a thing that would be annoying for most people, but he makes it endearing. He has, he has like that warmth. I don't know. It's like a yeah. yeah. I feel like Brie Larson has that same thing in the way that she plays Captain Marvel. Mm. And it's something that I really enjoy. Uh, there, I mean, to be clear, there are moments in Captain Marvel that I really liked, and I desperately wanted to like it more. I, yeah. I just, like, I was so bored for the first 20 or 25 minutes of that movie where they were just, like, you know how I feel about chase scenes. Like, yeah. it does not make it better in space. I, th- I think it makes it worse. So, yeah. like, I, like... At some point, I had checked my wa- like my phone like four times and was like, "How fucking long until she gets to Earth?" <laughs> like I'm, <laughs> I was so annoyed. Um, and there were other issues that I had. I do. I mean, I like. I like. I thought Brie Larson was great. Jude Law was great. I, you know, it it just it just didn't land for me. I am I'm very hopeful that the next one will feel better for me. Yeah, I would like to see much better things from the next one. It's it, it's 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 pretty mid tier for me in terms of the Marvel movies, but I did I did enjoy it and I liked watching it again. Still doing Lovecraft Country. I watched the third episode of that yesterday, which was pretty. Have you watched it yet? The third, yes the the one with the board, the, the, the board house one. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yeah, that was it was quite a thing. It was good. Um, uh, it was good. I like. Yeah. It. Again, like we talked a bit about this last time that that it's. Uh, almost more of a like monster of the week yeah. format for the story, uh, which now that I know that I feel like a, it, the whole thing flows a little better for me. I agree. I agree. And yeah, I, I really liked the third episode. Yeah. They released the fourth one early. I don't know if you saw that. They released their, Oh, did they, they released their uh, weekly stuff on Friday. I assume for the holiday. So the new episode of the vow and the new episode of Lovecraft country is up. I haven't been watching the vow, but, uh, I have. I, yeah, I saw you mention it on Twitter. Uh, I figure we'll get to that. The other thing, I don't think I've talked about it before, but Tina and I have been watching Shit's Creek for a while. Yay! Um, and we finished season five the other night. 
I think five. Mm-hmm. It's the last one that Netflix has. They haven't got the last season yet. No, but I own, I own it on Amazon if you want to log in on my own. Well, it's supposed to go up in like three weeks. Okay. So, yeah, I'm not, I just hadn't realized that it wasn't up yet. It didn't occur to me. And we finished the end of season five, which ends on a bit of a cliffhanger. And it didn't <laughs> go to the next episode. We were like, what the? I could have sworn they had it all. And I knew that this show had an actual ending. What is going on? It does. On? I, I hope that when Netflix, I hope that when Netflix puts it out, that they include, there's like a making of. 30 minute thing that just showed that was just like very sweet. I cried more at the making of part than I cried at the end. There's like a whole thing of like the cast getting a letter from these like moms of gay kids. And like, it's very, it's it's very sweet. If they don't, it is up on Amazon and I have that. And you should log into my account to watch the 20 minutes or whatever it is, because it's, it's very sweet. And like, you know, presumably you've been enjoying it and have sort of fallen for the characters like a lot of us. And I think it's, yeah, no, it's great. It's really, it's really fun to watch, you know, Dan and Eugene and all of these people like work together and talk about the work that they've done and stuff. And it's, it's just very, very sweet. So if Netflix doesn't put it up, you definitely should watch it when it's done. Okay. Uh, I think that's, I think that's all I have. So what about you? What have you been doing? What about me? Um, Well, television wise, I have been watching The Vow, of course, because if something comes out about cults, I need to watch it. I am not totally convinced that it needs nine episodes (laughs) at this point. That seems like a lot. And every time I watch an episode, I'm like, okay, but like, do we have six more episodes of this in us? Because like, I don't know. But obviously, I'll see. Maybe it'll be one of those things where there's a big twist after the fourth episode or something. And all of a sudden, you realize you've only been seeing the surface. Could be. It's good. I mean, if, if this is your thing, like if you're into cults and have any interest in and Nixium and all of that. Like it's, they got a lot of people to talk about stuff. Um, it's pretty well produced. It's, it's an enjoyable watch if this is, if this is a thing you like. So I've still been watching person of interest, which is consistently just getting better. Um, it is just okay. a really good show. <laughs> uh, much to my shock. Uh, even though people had told me, so I don't know why it is my shock, but it just didn't feel correct. And Eric and I finally started uh, this week. We we watched the first episode of the th- the final season of The Leftovers. So in like seven weeks or oh, I forgot I you hadn't finally be able to converse with you about the end of The Leftovers, which you've wanted me to be able to do for roughly five years. I mean, it's been so long now that yeah, I feel like I'd have to rewatch <laughs> in order to have a, a good conversation about. I feel. I need to rewatch the first season of Doctor Who after this and remind myself of why I love Christopher Eccleston, because by this point in the show, I hate him so much that I want to stab his eyes out. Yeah, that's... Uh, (laughs) Matt is the fucking worst... I hate yep. I don't like Kevin either. Like, he's very well played and stuff. But, like, I have a lot of issues with Kevin, too. But, like, there is just, like, by, like, halfway through the second season, I was like, I want Matt dead. Why won't he die? <laughs> I need him to not be present on the screen anymore. Yeah. So there's that. Let's see. Eric and I had, Eric had been gone most of August weekend. So Friday was our first um, our first day back to have a whole day together. So we watched three movies. Um we watched Pickpocket, which was next on Ebert's list, which I didn't remember anything about, and which honestly, in another couple weeks, I probably won't remember anything about again. I mean, it's only 75 minutes, so is that going for it? But like, also, uh, not for me. Uh, and then the next movie on the Film School Rejects list uh, was Revenge, which I was not feeling super thrilled about. I don't know. I don't like vengeance stories very much, and I, it's supposed to be really gory. Did you watch it? I haven't seen that, no. Okay. This is to be really gory, and I was just like, but I was like, it's fine, it's fine. We'll we'll watch it because the next movie on that list is Magic Mike XXL, and I'm extremely excited to get to that one. Uh, <laughs> I'm so 
excited to rewatch it. Totally have no idea. I never saw that one either. You need to. Anyway. I saw the first one. But... It's much better. <laughs> much better than the first one. It is a piece of God. I mean, I liked the first one. I liked the first one too, but the second one is a piece of goddamn art. <laughs> anyway. Well, and clearly people agree with me. It's on their top 100 of the decade. <laughs> I mean, there are people who agree with you. Yeah, I think it would be exaggerating to say that people agree with you. Just people in general, really. (laughs) Anyway, so Revenge is about... Well, I was a little more open to it when I realized it was directed by a woman, because although I'm not a fan of vengeance stories in general, if I have to have a story of a woman like going after a bunch of men for fucking her over in whatever way, I would prefer it be directed by a woman. It makes a really big difference in ways yeah. that I feel like are often like subtle, but like make a huge impact on the script. I don't think I will watch it again. It was very gory. Um, it's a fun shutter. It's a shutter original. It was, I covered my eyes and sometimes my ears multiple times in the movie. There were prolonged, horrifying scenes. That said, it looked fucking beautiful. Like the cinematography is so gorgeous that there were like two or three like shots in particular where I, where I had a moment of being like, God, I wish I'd gotten to see this in a theater even though I don't really, because that would have been worse for the gore. But <laughs> yeah. uh, but like there were some really beautiful shots. And, you know, again, the, I, I just, I don't, like vengeance stories do not like bring any catharsis for me. I'm not totally sure that that was the goal with this one exactly, but it, it was good. It was much better than I think it had a right to be, in my view, you know, sort of covering the story again. It was, yeah, I don't know. It's good. If if you like vengeance stories, I super recommend it. <laughs> um, but even if you don't, if you have a strong stomach or feel okay, like covering your eyes periodically, I think it's worth a watch. It's, it's a definitely, she clearly had her own vision for this. She wrote and directed, her name is Coralie Fargiat. I don't know how to pronounce the last name. And I would watch more things by her. So okay. I liked it. Then we watched Zardoz. <laughs> That's the one with Sean Connery yeah. with the weird... Yeah, okay. it is. Oh, no, see, I actually I noticed that you'd seen this on Letterboxd, and I, I clicked on the page for it because I didn't recognize the name, and I read the premise, and I had no idea that's what that movie was about, and I'm kind of fascinated. Neither did I. Also, it's by the guy who did Deliverance. This is apparently what he spent his cash on for Deliverance. So I did not. I would not watch it again. It's too long. A lot of... It's like, you know, 70s hippy-dippy weirdo drug trippy stuff. Which is not my favorite thing. But I'm not sorry I saw it. And there are a few truly amazing weird voiceover monologues in it that are incredible. Also, all of the women are wearing the like varying types of these fantastic like tie in the front crop tops and I wanted it's a weird fucking movie. Yeah. I, I don't know. I don't know that I could recommend it, but like if you're just like, Yes, I would like to see forty five year old Sean Connery in like a red diaper running around, then then that's for you, I guess. And then yesterday I watched Shirley, which I had not gotten around to watching. It was on my list. I was talking to someone on Twitter uh, about it um, because it was the top of her. It was her number one movie that she had seen so far this year. And I was like, eh, I was trying to figure out what to watch today anyway. <laughs> like, I'll go ahead and check it out. And it was very good. Have you have you seen it? I have. Did you like it? I was a big fan of her previous movie. So I, I uh, yes. Okay. It was it was one of it was a confounding movie. I would say I came out of it feeling like I didn't really have much idea what I had just watched, but it was also a, it was definitely compelling. Okay, uh, the person I was talking to was Sarah Fetters. Um, she's at Movie Freak Sarah on Twitter, and she has good taste in movies and post lists a lot. So if that's like your thing, um, I think she's from Seattle, although I'm not positive about that. Anyway, but 
she uh but yeah so i i watched it i definitely came out of it feeling like a second watch would probably benefit it a lot <laughs> i don't know that the the plot would be clear or that there was an intention of the plot being clear uh but i think it would really um, bring out a lot of the nuances of the performances, which were fantastic. Uh, <laughs> yeah, and so maybe someday I will watch it again. But I did like it quite a lot. So, yeah, that was my week. Oh, also, uh, last week, Eric and I watched uh, Class Action Park. <laughs> did you watch that? Oh, I haven't, I haven't seen that. No, I mean, it's only it's only up on HBO Max. But yeah, that one is that one is pretty fun. I did not know really anything about Action Park. <laughs> <laughs> and it was a hell of a thing. Also, Chris Gethard featured really heavily in it, talking about his experiences with Action Park growing up, and that was fun because I really like Chris Gethard. I was about to, I was about to ask about that because I, I still listen to Chris Gethard's podcast every week, yeah. uh, Beautiful Anonymous, and he mentioned in the latest episode at the very start of the conversation, the person, a- person asked him how he was doing, and he said, "Well." I just found out that in a documentary that I was featured on about a amusement park that I used to go to a lot that I was referred to. I can't remember exactly what it was, but it was like a C-list stand-up comedian or C-list celebrity. Or I don't something remember like what they called it, but it definitely <laughs> so he was. was. He was like, so, you know, that's how I'm doing. <laughs> I was like, oh. And I figured I assumed that was probably what it was. But yeah, yeah, he I mean, he was great. It's a really interesting, you know, 90 minutes or whatever, if you if you feel like doing that. But so I think that's all I've been watching. That's that's pretty much it. (laughs) (laughs) Sounds good. All right. So we are going to watch Marjo and uh, have thoughts about that. So that'll be exciting. Bye. Bye.